Hey everybody, welcome back to That's Criminal. Uh, I got to start tonight by thanking so many of you guys for the really, really supportive comments on my interview with John Wesley Anderson last week. Uh, he, uh, you know, all credit, of course, is going to go to him. His uh, treatment of the way Lou Smith's stuck with and continue to work to solve the John Bonet Ramsey case is amazing, and the way that John has kept going, uh, just trying to work through uh, Lou's files and, and bring closure to that case. It's a, it was a great, uh, great interview and it's great for him to join me. So um, I got, I got to, uh, I got to thank you all for that. That was great. You guys have been really good with your comments. Uh, on the writing side of the house, um, about to crack 10,000 on the first draft of the new book, still classified, uh, but I'm narrowing down a couple possible titles and you guys all know how much I suck at coming up with titles and coming up with the blurbs. So there will be more to come. I'll have some more information and details to give you later, but it's still uh, still getting some stuff together on that one. So, but before uh, we get into tonight's guest, um, I'm not sure if this should be an official uh, uh, comment or official announcement, but I think the Tiger Dog has maybe semi-retired from the podcast. He's been way more interested in laying out in the sun than he has been joining me with his usual spot on insight and commentary during these episodes. Uh, so it's going to be his decision in the long run, but he has really enjoyed being outside this summer more than he has been enjoying being in the studio with me. So don't be hurt. He's old. Old boy gets to do what he wants. So that's just the way it's going to go. I'll keep you posted on that. Now tonight, tonight I get to talk to Jerome Preissler. Jerome is a New York Times bestselling author of over 40 books, both fiction and nonfiction. Uh, his association with the Tom Clancy franchise, yeah, I'm going to geek out about that a little bit, hold on, uh, began in 1997 when he contributed to the military history Airborne. He subsequently wrote the Tom Clancy's Power Plays and is currently writing in the NetForce universe. Uh, among Jerome's many works of narrative history are All Hands Down, the true story of the Soviet attack on the USS Scorpion, codenamed Caesar, the secret hunt for U-boat 864 during World War II, and First to Jump, how the Band of Brothers was aided by the brave paratroopers of the Pathfinders Company. They did get a mention in the series and in the book. Um, and then Civil War Commando, William Cushing's daring raid to sink the Invincible Ironclad CSS Albemarle. Jerome also co-wrote the memoir Game Face, a lifetime of hard-earned lessons on and off the basketball court with legendary NBA Hall of Famer Bernard King. And that is currently in development as a major motion picture. Uh, Mr. Preisler grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and he now divides his time between New York and Maine with his wife and his two feline masters. Jerome, thank you for joining me. Thank you. You're very welcome, John. And by the way, my uh, my feline staff is also AWOL these days. So I, so I empathize with you. Yeah, I love it. I'm actually, it's funny. Um, when I saw it in your bio, it, it, it's, uh, I'm listening to, I don't know if you ever read uh, Sapiens. Um, uh, the no, name I'm... escapes me, but it's a, it's kind of a, um, a walkthrough of human sapiens, how we got from, you know, uh, kind of single cell organisms up to the mass, you know, intricate mm -hmm. organization we have today, but it speaks in evolutionary processes and how we've come, you know, agricultural revolution, industrial revolution, technological revolution. So as I'm reading and getting ready for tonight, I saw you mentioned your two feline masters and I'm like, that's the next evolution. 
Like if AI yeah, doesn't of, get us, you know. Well, well all, all of human evolution has led us to being the perfect servants for our pets. That's 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 that's, that's what it was all. That, that was really what it was all building up to. Yeah, exactly. They figured it out right from the start. They're yeah. like, yeah, you can domesticate me because you're going to feed me. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing. The, the dog's like, hey, I want to go outside. Okay. Hey, I want you to feed me. Okay. I want yeah, your table fruit. The, you got it. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not getting off the bed, your spot the, on the bed, or I'm not getting off your, the chair. <laughs> you can sit yeah. on the floor, dad. Yeah, exactly. Okay. They give you that look. <laughs> They're like, okay, <laughs> you went <win> again. Yeah. <laughs> Sneaky. <laughs> Um, but man, uh, 40 books, narrative fiction and nonfiction. Um, I, I didn't know where to start. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I realized I get to talk to you and, uh, and then I'm like, there's so many great things to talk about from, you know, for the one thing and then on the, the nonfiction side was the, uh, ironclads. Those things fascinate me. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, um, that was an amazing story. You're familiar at all with uh, Will Cushing and, and his story. Um, he really, you know, pioneered what were what were naval uh, commando uh, type tactics. He and his his um, his superior, who was um, a guy named Flusser, F L U S S E R, and they're both kind of naval legends. Um, and and um, they're, they're both legendary as much for being mavericks for what they accomplished, but really uh, Will, um, and I, you know, this, I don't wanna uh, get off on this too much, but Will really led, uh, I think it was uh, a nine man group against um, against this this mighty ironclad, the CSS Albemarle, and uh, rigged, rigged this, what they called a torpedo. Um, it was really kind of a, you know, it was like a big bomb that was, that was a, a attached to the front of a, a small um, picket boat, and could be uh, raised or lowered by this weird uh, pulley mechanism, which you know you you had to operate even as you uh, uh, headed straight for whatever it was you were going to blow up. But I mean, it was but it, it it was created by Will and this mad scientist type at the Brooklyn Navy Yard um, specifically for this mission. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and the Albemarle was was known as the Terror of the Roanoke. It had closed off the waters of North, the, all of North Carolina to the uh, um, to the Union. So that was yeah. quite a story. Yeah, and um, not only the the technology of the day, which we'll talk about uh, even more freaky technology in a little bit, but um, those ironclads. It's it, you know, I I uh, used to work in Charleston, and while I was in Charleston, living there, they found the Hunley at the bottom of Charleston uh -huh. Harbor. And the whole yeah. excavation of that, it was so interesting. Of course, you become kind of a student of it. But between, you know, that, that era, like you said, an era of Mavericks, um, you know, the the guys who they're like, you know, they go and they're like, hey, guys, you want to jump in this tub and ram a uh, a ship with a bomb on your nose and just see if you make it? And they're like, sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but same thing with uh, with um you know, Cushing, he, uh, he's like, Oh, he's the engineer. He's the brains that develops this whole technology. And then they're like, Hey, guess what? You get to pilot it too. You know, it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. And the whole mission was really his idea. Uh, he, he, he came in with like three different plans, all of one of which was crazier than the next. And this was probably the craziest of all of them, but it worked. Yep. Yeah. And, and during that time, I mean, just the, when I think of it, 
you know, the the lack of resources. I mean, the, the North, the Union, of course, had all the resources, but looking at it from what they had to put together, their timelines and just the uh, the daring that individuals showed during that period of time was on both sides was uh, it's some it's very fascinating. Like there's no there's no end in sight to to uh, the individual stories of, of that same thing, just the daring and the ingenuity that that had those little parts of, of that uh, that terrible war, you know. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, uh, on the other side, on the, um, on the, the fiction side, I, I, I said in the intro, I'll probably geek out a little bit, but, uh, I'll tell you right, uh, Tom Clancy, the first book I ever read was, um, was Jaws. And, um, but my dad, uh, is a hardback guy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, and this is, you know, the eighties when, um, Hunt for Red October, Clear and Present Danger. So I, uh, Hunt for Red October was my first, and I'm pretty sure I just spent the next like three years just going through those 800 page monsters, just soaking up every bit mm-hmm. of it. And um, they got they, they got they got bigger and and fatter and longer uh, with each book. Hunt yeah. for Red October was actually pretty, you know, it was pretty pretty compact by by uh, Tom standards. I think it was like 300 something pages. And when by the time you got to the bear and the dragon, you were up at you know a thousand pages or something. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, looking back at it now, I remember as a little kid being, you know, looking at his back covers were always the best. Like he's in a flight suit or, you know, in a, in a bomber jacket. And you're like, OK, if writers get to do that, I'm pretty sure that's what I want to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> if they get to hang out on flight decks and flight suits and fly stuff, like <laughs> not not really the way it works. But for a 12 year old, I guess that, that kind of uh, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. kind of falls into it. Um, but yeah, the that universe, it's uh, it's kind of amazing that. Uh, you know, as, as writers, we pull stuff out of our heads and it makes it to the page. And this can be, we could be talking about George Lucas and star Wars or, you know, Jack Ryan uh, with Tom Clancy, you know, writing down notes, putting it to paper. And, you know, a few years later, he's the guy who's, he's a, he's an author who's in talks to buy the Minnesota Vikings. Like yeah, yeah. that and kind the, of uh, Baltimore Orioles, I think too, as well. I don't know how far that got, but he wanted to buy the Orioles. Yeah, but all that, yeah. and, and I always tell my boys this, I'm like, all that comes out of their heads. That's a stray thought in the shower that he put notes down to and put 500 you know pages together and boom, that idea made him that successful. It's What was it yeah, like being a, a part of that universe? You know, it, it's hard to say because I, I mean, it's in, in many respects, it's, it's, like writing anything else i mean in a way you 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 summed it up pretty well in that bottom line you know when you when you sit down to to write a book whether it's uh whether it's a book in the tom clancy franchise or 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 like you i i i work in all kinds of different genres so i mean whether it's a horror novel whether it's a mystery in the end it's like you know it's you it's your it's it's your computer when i started out it was my brother typewriter um but it it's you know it's so so it's it's a process that you kind of get used to you know you know how how i think i've what i've compared it to it's like it's like we we were talking baseball just before we got started with the uh with, with the show and um you know when they when a minor leaguer first comes up uh to the majors like and he's in his first day and he's going to take his first at bats but they always tell him you know You've just got a couple more decks, but it's the same game. It's the same 90 feet between, you know, bases. Um, and, and as long as you keep that in mind, 
then you'll be fine. And I think that's really the been my approach all along, which is whatever the whatever presented itself to me, um, you know, I, I while being fully, you know, understanding how wonderful it is, the process itself never really changes that much. Yeah, that uh, that makes me me wonder. Um, you know, multi genre author, uh, uh, you kind of write your story. It's it's you know we always say or or most people say you know you write stories that you love because you're the one that's got to read it four or six times, right? Um, so that makes me it, it makes me wonder because um, for me, I think um, I'm eight books in my draft. My newest manuscript would be number eight. And I think it's not until this one that I think I've actually figured out voice for what mm-hmm. my books are. I was, and I just wonder, since you mentioned that, like, no matter what the game's the game, you've got you like that rookie pitcher. Like you said, you were playing for the Durham Bulls last night. Now you're playing for the Yankees. It's the exact same dimension, same game, different uniform. So you bring your game to that environment. Is that kind of, would that make sense? Yeah, that's exactly that. That really articulates it perfectly. You know, I you just brought to mind when I first I had done, as you mentioned, I had done um, worked on that the nonfiction Airborne book, which was the first book I'd done in, with with Tom. And um, months later, I when they started talking about doing power plays, and I won't get into all of the permutations that led to that because it, it's. Like a lot of things, it's just, you know, it's it's a, it's a phone call and maybe this is going to happen and maybe it'll be this and maybe it'll be that. But when it finally kind of, you know, coalesced into a series of novels, and um, I, I like to mention there was a guy um, who passed away, unfortunately, in 2013 named Marty Greenberg, Dr. Martin H. Greenberg. And he was really the person who um, pulled together some of the series like Op Center and some of the other co-written series done by by with major um thriller writers at, at that time and we're talking now like late 90s uh, early 2000s and i remember marty um i had worked with him on airborne and and he and he was the one who called me up and discussed power plays and i remember you know he's at one point during our, our conversation it's eight o'clock in the morning he says to me um you do realize that the fate of a multi-million dollar franchise is going to be resting on your shoulders. <laughs> no nope, so to me. <laughs> but do you want this? <laughs> so like suddenly I'm like, well, but that was really like, and the reason I mentioned that is because it, so, so there's that awareness and as he put it, none too subtly, but in the course of the, but, you know, actually discussing it. And when you sit down, you know, once you, sit down and take a few deep breaths and realize that you haven't passed out then you settle in and then when when it when when once it starts you bring what you've as you said you bring you bring yourself to it you bring your experience you bring everything you've done i started writing when i was a kid i was very young i i, I wrote um I, I i wrote my first novel when i was 11 or 12 years old and I still have it. It was on. It started out being in pencil, then in pen, and then I actually started on a, on a royal manual typewriter. And the thing is, what's very interesting about it is, and, and there were long periods when I did not write. You know, I, I, I and um, when I look at that novel, I see the rudiments of my current style. I can look at it and say, "This is really funny." There I was, and I have no idea where it came from, other than you know, I mean 
I was reading Lord of the Rings and I was reading Marvel comics and I was watching vampire movies. So I had all that in my novel. I mean, it was everything. It was rocket ships, vampires, which, you know, was, I guess it was early, early uh, cross genre stuff. But, um, but, but you do bring, you, you, you just have to kind of, it's like anything else. I mean, I, I'm sure as when you were with the FBI, when you were, you were doing investigations, when you were, did you do forensics? Was that, was it? I'm yeah, sure. I uh, I fell in love with that. They uh, the the police department I was at in Charleston. They they had the like roving forensics guys. So as like a, a rookie, I I would follow those guys around like puppies because they're like don't touch anything, you know. And then yeah. in the FBI, I got to be on the ERT team, and that's when I was like I was like done. I'm a nerd. I'm loving this stuff. So I I got a master's degree in uh, in forensics after that, just because it was it's just so interesting to dig. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Wow. So so you know it's like. I, I would imagine I'm just kind of shooting in the dark, but I would imagine that regardless, like, like, you know, th- I mean, you're going to encounter this wide range of situations. I mean, and, 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 and specific um, in, in, in different, in different cases, I'm stumbling a bit, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is you're bringing your skill set to the investigation, regardless of whether, um, whether you're collecting evidence in, or, or looking at evidence that was brought out of the woods or an apartment building, or whether it was, you know, a robbery or a murder or this, whatever the, 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 the crime or the situation was, you're bringing your, your observational skills, everything that you learned, everything that you've done in the past and your experience. It's really, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just bringing your game and being confident in your game. So that's, yeah. that's uh and yeah, confidence, and, you, you gotta, you, you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta bring the confidence. Yep. Yeah. It's uh it's one of the things that, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm small scale writer, but when people ask me like, what do you need? It's like, well, you need to have very thick skin <laughs> to get in this game. And you need to know, you need to know you because every, you know, every many doors don't want to open. Right. So it's, you be ready right. for rejection, be ready for, be ready for critique. Um, but if you do that and you have a good work ethic, you're, you're, uh, you're on your way, right? There was, um, there was, a, a one of my favorite writers as, a, a, when I was a teenager and throughout my life, and he, he's also passed away a few years ago, was a guy named Harlan Ellison, who wrote, was a pioneer in, in, he called it speculative fantasy, speculative fiction or, or dark fantasy, or you could call it science fiction, but he was a, I mean, the guy was a master writer. And I, I got to know him just a little bit. And I remember I was going through some some crap early in my career and I was on the phone to him. And I remember he said to me, you know, he goes, it never gets any easier, Jerome. And he, he, and, he and he's like, if you if you if if you want any if, if you want it easier, you know, become a bricklayer, but uh don't be a writer. And and it really, you know, you you you, you get you get criticism, you get rejection, it never ends, you know. And so you have to kind of you do have to have a thick skin. And like all, I think you probably experienced this. You, there's always that kind of delicate balance between confidence and wondering, do I know what the hell I'm doing over here? And 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 and, and these, in a strange way, they can coexist, even as you're, even as you, even as you're sitting down and, and doing the work. Um, you can know, well, I've done this before. I'm, I've, in my case, I've done it. I've, I've been doing it for for decades, but I never like. I've, I never sit uh, as I'm writing a book and think, wow, I really nailed this. I'm always like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hope think, I'm pulling this off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I think there's been two times um, I, I keep my writing segments the same every day. It's a, it's a job. It's Monday through Friday. 
Um, I, I go, I, I get up early before work, knock out my, my quota and go. And there's only been probably two times in eight books where I wrote it down. And I was like, that was hilarious. Or it's like, that was awesome. That stays. Um, usually it's funny that you mentioned it cause it just happened. I just cleaned up that last manuscript, but, um, like when you start, you're just like, you know, I'm getting towards the end of the first draft. And I'm like, this is dog crap. Like this, this thing's awful. I don't even know how I can reclaim this thing, even though seven previous times, my whole plan is, you know, outline idea, you get a hook, get an end, vomit a hundred thousand words and clean it up after. Yeah. And I, I've done it seven times. And during this eighth one, I was like, this is, this is garbage. Like, and I'm like, this is bad. This is bad. And then you just oh, force yourself. Yeah, yeah. Force yourself into that review. And it's yeah. like, oh, I can pull this together. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, inevitably I can pick up a, a, a book that I wrote that's a, a, been published and, you know, it can be a, a, a hundred and twenty thousand word novel. And all I see is like the three words that I think, ah, why did I put them in there? You know, all like, like all I could see is those three words. It's like seeing a wart on your face. And it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's just, I think it's just the way it is. I mean, um, I, I, I think that sometimes um, it's not a bad thing to be, to be extremely critical of, of oneself. I, I, I'm extremely hard on myself. Um, and I, I beat myself up all the time. And, you know, when I'm in the middle of, of writing a book, uh, you know, I, 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 I think what you do is, is really the way to go. I mean, if I were to like teach a, a writing class, the first, second, and third thing I would preach to people is, um, routine. Um, I always use, you know, I'm, since I'm, since we're on a baseball kick, I, it's like, it's like doing the reps. It's like, you know, I don't care if it's, you have to be realistic whether whether if, if if you're working and all you can do is like 15 minutes a day a half an hour a day an hour whatever that is then do it every day don't don't miss days if we all do but just try to keep that regular schedule and um i think that's just you know and and, and then no matter whether you're feeling like what what comes out is crap or whether you're you know i don't believe in writer's block and i don't really believe in uh, we can be inspired, but on a day-to-day basis, I don't think that, you know, we necessarily feel great flashes of inspiration. It'd be great if we do. If, if, and if somebody out there does, then more power to them. But most of the time I'm like tired and, uh, you know, like not really sure what, where I'm going. Um, I don't, I, 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 I don't, when I do outline, I deviate from it so badly that, uh, there's it's almost pointless. So uh, I'm always like trying to figure out like from day to day, like, well, you know, how am I going to get, how am I going to get through this scene? Um, so it's, yeah, it, it, I mean, we all have our processes, but ultimately I think that um, doing it, that regularity, doing it and having a routine um, and, and having a particular process, whatever your process is, just adhering to it. And as long as it works for you, it works for you. Yeah. There's so that's no one way. That's it. That's interesting. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I have, I, I lay out my roadmap and then I don't look at it again. Once I draft it's, I don't know why, but it's, um, so you'll, um, are you like one of those guys that'll just, uh, have a, okay, what happens, you know, if Carmody and, and, uh, and Callie do this and you'll just go, okay, that it is that. And now go, right. Is, is it, is it I know, uh, one of those? I have, I know, I, I know generally what the end is going to be. Um, 
and and again, that's generally. I I I know sort of where where some of the characters are going to end up. Maybe not all of them, and maybe I don't know exactly, but I have a sense of it, and I know where I'm start where I'm starting out. Obviously, when I start, and I know um, certain elements of the story. Uh, I know what my what my key uh, touchstones are going to be. Um, but in terms of, for example, um, action scenes, they tend to really evolve. Um, and sometimes the book really does run away with me. Sometimes in the, in the last book, uh, most recent book in the net for series, moving target, uh, I intended to spend like the first 30 pages in the catacombs of Paris. And that became almost the whole book it became a good two-thirds of the book and i mean that and it doesn't always happen that it runs away with me like that um but it so it varies but i do still know kind of like i know i i know generally what my to use the old hitchcock word what, what my MacGuffin is going to be i know what you know the what it, what is the super weapon what is the bad guy's plan i have that kind of figured out but a lot of those kind of detours and most especially in recent years, I found um, that I really got freed up writing action. So I or maybe I get carried away. One could look at it one way or another, but I really like kind of letting action scenes breathe and evolve. And that came really to tell you the truth that came from uh, uh, watching John Wick movies, <laughs> that really that that was a that was a mind blower. That that was a game changer in in terms of in terms of uh, um, storytelling um, in, in yeah. the genre. Yeah, they've. Uh, I mean, with that, they, they just turned it into an art form. I mean, it really is. It's almost like watching a, watching an opera or watching a it, uh, it, some kind exactly. of exactly dance. And it's. Uh, but yeah, there's tempo to them, like especially in the fourth one. And I'm usually when you get. Like John Wick one was, I was like, yeah, well, you got a dog in it. So I'm immediately yeah. going to love that movie. So, but uh, two, I'm like, cool. Three, I'm like suspicious. And I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. And when I get to four, I'm like, they can't, how are they going to do this again? And then, so I didn't go see it in the theater. And when I watched it, I was like, I should have saw this in the theater, but yes, I, think, I did the same thing happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think in the fourth one though, I think they, the choreographers nailed it and you could, I mean, those fight scenes had a life of their own. It was amazing. Yeah. 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 It's, it really, um, it's almost as if they, they kind of sat down and thought, well, you know, um, if we're going to do we're going to do an action movie, then let's let's just get to the bottom of like, you know, what is what is an action movie um, and, and and strip away all the all the other stuff. I mean, and it does have a story. I mean, they're also building a universe. But the thing is, it's that their what, what their emphasis has been on taking um, movie action, cinematic action. And not not you know heavy CGI, but um, but but most of it being stunts, which is what really yeah. makes it so amazing. You really see the difference. It's, you you almost can't go back to watching other movies that use a lot of special effects because it's like yeah. you see you suddenly see those special effects as being unrealistic. It's almost like looking back at like the fifties movies, you know, or, or when when they would have you know the 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 um, whatever the the monster being you could see the strings pulling the monsters <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. or something it uh it makes me um when i was watching his last one i was uh 
I was thinking of, you remember those old uh, Burt Reynolds movies where they just have that massive bar fight and you can tell there's no choreographing whatsoever. They're just like, all right, guys, go beat each other up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And um, but yeah, the the thing is, though, the, with that, with that John Wick with, you know, I think I think I, I heard some more. I think the the director or the producer was on Rogan and he said that like John Wick, you know, Keanu Reeves had like 80 something words that entire movie. So they have him just on that train and doing that performance. But the story of, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, the guy who runs the uh, the hotel, his story yeah. is the one that grabs you. Like, you're just like, yeah. oh, man, what's, you know, you're you're emotionally you're like sucked into that dude. Like, is he going to make it or not? And then John's out there just just whacking people. Was, yeah, man, yeah. It, they nailed it. It's almost. Uh, yeah, they just they just nailed it. It's um, funny. I had done. um um, when I did the first, and it just goes back to like needing a thick skin. When I did the first book in, in the in the relaunch of NetForce, which was Dark Web, that was like 2019 or so. And that was a big book. I mean, that really ran long. I I cut it down to 150,000 words from 175, which was crazy. But I was really, you know, I was introducing a whole new universe and it, and it was a lot of stuff I needed to really put in there because it was obviously all of the other books in the series spring out of it so i still think it was you know i think it was pretty fast moving but there's just a lot of there are a lot of moving parts and so um you know you start to you start to like read uh your your, your good reads and amazon reviews and people say well you know it was a little little slow in this net so i said okay you know what maybe it was a little slow in the beginning so my next book which is attack protocol um in the series with that one i just thought i used the technique i'd used actually years before in in, in another book and i just in two other books which was hit the ground running like you know um no exposition right in the very beginning and just fill in the blanks as you go along but hit the, hit the ground running with action so then of course you get you know you'll get a, an email from somebody that says yeah but you know i i i, I, I there was no background like what's happening it was too <laughs> so, so, so you know you're never gonna win <laughs> yeah yeah you just can't you can't win with that that's uh i that's what i like to do too i want i don't want my readers to have anything more than my characters do and I want my characters just thrown into the meat grinder to see what happens. So I, uh, they're like, hey, way to set the scene. I'm like, hey, he doesn't know what's going on. Why should you know what's going on? <laughs> right? Yeah. And that actually can be really, um, uh, 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 that can be really a really good technique for a book. By the way, I saw your covers. You got some great covers. Oh, I got the, the Jeffrey oh, Ray Hayes, man. That guy's, that guy's an artist. He, that yeah. guy's awesome. Yeah. 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 So it, it makes me wonder. Um, so, when uh, when uh, Martin uh, comes to you and is like, "Hey, do you want to take over this, you know, multi million dollar franchise?" When you sat down to to work it out, I mean, you guys had written together, so he probably knew your process. Were there when you when you joined, uh, you know, and and communicated with, I guess, the estate or or Mr. Clancy? Well, Tom was alive at the time. Yeah. Yes, but did he have any byways and and yay, do's and don'ts that he was like, he's like, I, you know, I love your stuff. But I really like to I like to see it done this way. Was there did they lay any rules on you or were they just like you you bring your game to this this world and you just go? Yeah, he that was it was the latter. I mean, Tom was like that. He I really had an amazing amount of freedom. In fact, I I, I was kind of surprised when I first we we first brainstormed the power play series. Um, I He gave me a, uh, a, a series Bible and. Um, it was uh 
it wasn't it wasn't huge. I mean, it was you know it had a few characters, it had character breakdowns, and it had I can't remember if it had even the plots. It may have had like one or two plots, and just but the overview of what the concept was going to be. And um, then Marty called me up, and Marty just said, you know, just use what characters you want. If you want to get rid of any of them, get rid of them. Wow. And um, if you want to change them, if you want to change what their backgrounds are. So I was like, okay, great. So in fact, it was interesting because I, and it's going back a while, so it's a little fuzzy, but there was one particular character that I thought I liked and I used him. He was pretty much the main, he was pretty much the protagonist. There were a number, but he was one of the central characters uh, in uh, the first book in, in the Power Play series. His name was, I think, Max Blackburn. And I decided at the end of that book that, you know, I, he was okay, but I didn't really like him that much. But he was in the original um, series Bible. And there was another character named Pete Nimick. And for some reason, he he had a very small role in the first one. I, I gave him a small role, but for some reason, he grew on me. So I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to kind of shift to him. And I ended up killing Max Blackburn in book two. and it was just fine. The The funny thing was the only uh, two things. One was in the in initial stages of each novel, I would present a shorter and shorter outline with each book. So it started out maybe like with book one and two, maybe I was giving them like 10 pages. And, you know, by by the last book in the series, it was down to three pages. And um, but that uh, always had Tom always approved that directly. And once or twice there was a, a, I was asked to make a change, but it was never anything fundamental. It might have just been, you know, why don't you change, why don't you change the 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 the, the weapon to this or that? If it was, if it was, uh, uh, you know, some high tech weapon, um, if it was like an EMP weapon, maybe well, maybe do this or or give it a different kind of angle. And then the only other time, which was which was, you know, a little funny, was. Um, in one of the books, it was called Biostrike. Um, I had a long action sequence that originally took place in a park in San Francisco. And um, it was uh, it was a fairly, you know, fairly well choreographed action scene. And it really involved all different groups. So it was, it was kind of complicated. And um, after I turned the book in, um, it was, I think, Marty who called me and he said, you know, uh, uh, Tom doesn't want it in San Francisco. Well, why? He didn't say. Uh, well, can you move it? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, can he, he goes any other any other city will do. He, I said, well, how about like uh, San Diego? And he goes, San Diego works. So um, <laughs> it ends up, you know, if you read the book, it's it takes place. I found thank thank heavens I found a park in San Diego, and you know I had to do. A little rejiggering but that was like that was the most extensive uh change i ever had to make i never could figure out why i didn't want it in san francisco but who am i to ask yeah that's that's funny he's like <laughs> not not that city that's not my tom city. doesn't <laughs> tom doesn't want it in san francisco you got it you got it boss <laughs> <laughs> um so when you uh when you decided to make that switch between the two main characters did you uh was that part of the outline or did you kind of write it and then send in the the draft and be like this will get him <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I think, you know, again, it, it's going back, but I don't even like at that point, I was, I would give him generally, I would give an outline of just the overall plot. And so it, it, 
might not even since this was power plays involved you know there were three or four major characters that involved the whole organization um it really i i didn't necessarily have to say what character was going to do what so as as i recall i don't remember any you know i, I don't remember putting anybody on notice i just did it and <laughs> i figured yeah if they don't like it i'll find out you know yeah they're gonna they're gonna let me know <laughs> yeah that's that's so that's i got great. lucky yeah, I, I was I just wondered how um like if you know, like you said, you got your process, you got your your game, and and if you went to join a uh a, a universe like that, if they're like, Yeah, that's great, but I want you to write like this, I I just I'm like as myself, I'm like, I don't man, I think that would that would put a stunt to things. So it's it's kind of cool to see that they, you know, that trust, they're like, Hey, you make this universe your own. Um well, you but, know, uh, that's the thing. It's it, it I think in a way I've been I, I I've been fortunate. In, in in that um there wasn't an existing universe that was it wasn't like stepping into uh uh you know um, robert ludlam um uh whatever uh, his, the born identity universe yeah. or something like that these were this was a separate kind of clancy verse clancy universe and so we were building it from ground up and even in in taking over and, and relaunching NetForce, part of our discussions because there obviously there had been a very successful NetForce series mm -hmm. from like 90, 96 through through two thousand and five or something, or it was roughly a ten year period, and and then there wasn't until we relaunched this in two thousand nineteen. There was a faltering attempt that we tried in two thousand thirteen, but it that, that was another story it just didn't work out but the the point being that by this point by this time um in order to really make it work i had to kind of do the same thing it was keep keep the core concepts it was almost like when you you know when you have the daniel craig james bond as opposed to the sean connery james bond that was sort of the model and you know yeah. th there are differences it's still the same character and you still have character you you keep a lot of the the original characters but they changed with the time. So, so you know, whereas uh, Sean Connery had the dowdy money penny, um, um, Daniel Craig had the hot money penny, and uh, and and money penny became actually you know kind of an action character in 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 some of the movies. So, but she's still money penny. She's still you know she's still the woman that um, that has this crush on James Bond, and she's still essentially that character just updated and and you know the rust the, the rust brushed off so i was fortunate again that in netforce again i was i had the opportunity to do that so i i didn't have those constrictions yeah that's and and i uh, i remember in the the uh, i read the first uh, netforce and then when it came out in the 90s um in college and i and but uh <clears throat> when i when i saw the new one i i think the world the tech world, uh, the the original NetForce, cool because nobody understood any of it. So, you know, when you come up with, they're basically you know chasing hackers and explaining to the world that yes, you can hack other stuff, but right because nobody understood any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But now in your version, the world is so fast and just downright scary that, um, like like in uh, in Moving Target, those dogs were creeping me out like right from the start. I was like, nope. And, I I don't like and, those dogs. Like, stop it. Yeah. And you know, they're <laughs> um, not like they're they're not those dogs aren't science fiction, you know. No, they're that's the, the yeah. technology is there. I mean, you know, that may be 
I set the series like a, a couple of years in the future, but we're right there with 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 those kinds of dogs. And yeah, it's really the, uh, it's it's really what constraints we put on whether uh, you know are we going to use robots as um you know as as uh I'm I'm trying to think of the right word not aggressive weapons but as actually you know um uh in in, in a in a fighting or de, or defense capacity or as you know uh, um, guard guard weapons um or uh guard weapons but as guards or as um you know sniffers um it's but but the choices with us the technology is all there right now yeah and the and the discussion i mean you'll see in uh in you know news reports or or uh, whatever comes out but the ethical discussion on whether or not to give uh the weapons um free reign to make those calculations and decide whether or not to go kinetic on their own without you know, if we got a drone up in the air, there's some dude flying it from Las Vegas, right? And there's a human behind that that trigger. Um, but now every every week, whenever they're having that discussion on whether or not to let these uh, these drones or you know that Boston Dynamics dog um, go with its own set of weapons on it and make those calculations and be autonomous at the same time, yeah. and that's that's what got me with those things. Especially, um, I don't I don't want to give the end away, but. Um, when they turn them loose, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I was like, there's there's no real fight in that one, right? <laughs> that's, no, that's uh, that's a whole different ball game, and and there's yeah. we're not fast enough to deal with it, I I think. Yeah. But yeah. it's a uh, that that world. Uh, I think that I think that right now that net force is just perfectly spot sh- stationed because of all the. Uh, it's a it's an amazing time, but it's also a, I think there's a delicate balance that. Uh, that I'm not quite sure we as a society understand quite yet. Like, I mean, it's science. I mean, we've proven as humans that, uh, you know, we'll, we won't have that discussion on whether or not we should do something. We'll just be like, Hey, we can do that thing. And then we'll just do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. true. I think, you know, we're, we're at the point now where I, I think again, you, I think you nail it We're we're at the point now where these discussions, obviously it's, it's you know it's in all the it's all the newspapers all the opinion pieces um and that's because ai has you know whether it's reached what they call this the singularity which is when when artificial intelligence becomes quote unquote sentient and i say quote unquote because you know nobody really has a definition of what is sentient um one 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 person says this one person says that um, and we don't really know. We don't. The, the bottom line is that's that's kind of more a philosophical, almost, than a scientific question at this point. But we have some very, very smart artificial art, artificial intelligences, and they're getting smarter by the day, by the minute. They're learning, and you know. So, so, so I think those discussions are obviously happening now. And and what you said is really true. It's that, well, first we come up with this technology and we sort of like, wow, hey, we can do this, we can do that. And then all of a sudden we realize, holy smokes, you know, have we let the, <laughs> the horse is now out of the barn. Well, what do we do? You know, how, how do we put the reins on it? And, yeah. you know, um, I wish I could think of the title. I'm reading a very interesting book right now. Um, and it's, um, the reason I can't get the title is because I'm doing, I, I'm, I'm, listening to it on I'm, 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 uh, audiobook and it really is a book about um different ways of looking at artificial intelligence and that's a whole subject in itself but but basically you know we we've come to think of artificial intelligence as kind of an extension 
of the way we think as humans. And, you know, so it's been, and, and, and the creation of artificial intelligence has been, um, uh, uh, it's, it's been corporate driven, it's been military driven, but there are other ways in it, of, of looking at, at, our, at AI and there are other intelligences uh, in, in um, there, there's whether, whether it, there's um, whether it's animal intelligence, plant intelligence, octopus intelligence, there are other models of intelligence and some of them can be, if incorporated with AI can actually be really beneficial to us. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that um, like anything else, like any other technology, there, there are two sides to the coin and I am just beginning to kind of look at what the benefits are because we all sort of know it, but then we look at, we, we hear all of this stuff and we hear the, the, the bizarre chats that, you know, when, when people that, that people have with the AI and it goes, it, you know, it just goes over the cliff. They get so bizarre, but um, those are kind of, those are examples of, of, of one instance um, and, and one particular type of AI and one and, and so forth. So I guess what I'm what I'm rambling on about is that it's a really it's a huge subject. Um, and it's interesting to just be writing about about some of that. And and you it's it's difficult to kind of isolate what what aspect of it you want to I want to write about when I do. Yeah, uh, that that uh, is another question I had in the margins when I was reading. Um, as you were writing, did you kind of because I've I've had this happen and I've had to go back and research research and stuff. But as you're writing, um, did, were there any points where you're just like, man, I got to get this thing on the shelves or I'm going to be outdated before it makes before it makes it to publication? You know, with how fast everything's going, you're just like, all right, am I am I out advanced or did they already beat me like just given any any given headlines you know as you're going through and working on the technology was there any worry uh, about that no you know this uh, the uh the curse and blessing of doing these books is that i'm doing them on really short short deadlines so um well and and what happened with in in particular with moving target was um you know, there'd been, I, my father, my dad had passed away. And so there were, you know, I, I was running a bit late. And as a result of that, I was kind of, um, the, the, the Russian invasion of, of, of Ukraine happened. And I'd already worked in, um, a kind of souped up Wagner group, um, neuro enhanced Wagner group into the story. And this is before we started hearing about their role in, um, in, in Ukraine. So, I mean, I hate to call something like that like neat because it's it's you know what what happened what's what 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 they did and what happened there is, is what's going on there is is awful. But um, I found myself actually kind of having this interesting game of ping pong with what was happening and what I was writing, and I knew the book was going to come out. You know, from I I turned it in in uh, I believe it was September, and it came out in february so what's that four months october november five months whatever so i knew that in a way i was like ahead of the game when it came yeah. to some of the those things and and in terms of the technology i try i i i try to stay a couple at least a couple of years ahead of things so that um 
Yeah, I mean, if it happens, it happens, it happens. What is sort of interesting, what is, again, you know, we talk about like when people nail you for stuff or, or, or criticize you and you, and you, um, in, in the book attack protocol, I have these drone swarms attack, um, uh, a base and later a, a, a castle in, in Romania and Transylvania respectively. And, um, I remember a couple of readers writing and saying this stuff is science fiction what is this stuff and then you know (laughs) you know so in that respect it becomes gratifying when you see it because you think hey yeah you know there you go i feel like like writing the guy back oh science fiction buddy you know so so i guess the short answer is you know it, it happens i don't think it's really happened to me yet um but uh hey you know it's part of the game yeah, and it's it's got to be kind of fun to to ride that wave and just say, you know, like you say, it's a couple years in the future, so just far enough to have people wondering, right? What's yeah, what's right yeah. on the edge? That's that's got to be that's going to be kind of a kick when it when it comes to to the uh, getting the ideas in. Um, but yeah, the uh, it's just that it's just perfectly suited for where we are now with that delicate balance. And you mentioned the uh, the transhumanism, and uh, I I did make it. There's a um, there's a scene I'm not giving anything away, but it's uh, as I'm reading it, uh, one of the characters is like, yeah, but they're, but they're transhumans. And it's, and as I'm reading, I'm like, Oh, like as soon as Neuralink goes live, we've got another thing to other people about. Right. So this, this, uh, this character's like, just look at, yeah, they're half, their brains are half computers and he's already judging them. And I'm like, Oh man, there's another identity politics. We're going to have to deal with five years. There you go, yeah. The people, well, I, the early adapters of Neuralink, they're going to be, they're going to be the other. Right. Yeah, yeah, we, we, it it just gets more complicated. I can't remember where I actually. I didn't come up with that term. That that was something that. And don't uh, you know? Don't hold me to this, but I believe it's it it may have originated a few years ago in Europe, maybe someplace like yeah, Sweden or Norway, where um, people are uh, have already gotten these um, chip implants so that you know they can. Um, walk up to their driveways and the driveway door opens when they, when they, when, 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 when it recognizes them. And so I, I think that that sort of debate as to what constitutes transhumanism started. And when I started working on NetForce, I, I, I saw some of that literature and I thought, huh, it's, uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I think that category is in the zeitgeist at this point. Cause yeah, wasn't it some dude that, um, like a whole company, somebody was trying to pay their all their employees to chip themselves so they could open up their, oh, their I like, security locks and stuff like yeah. that. I was like, no, not yet. I'm, I'm going to wait till Musk fi- figures it out. <laughs> and you know, Musk Musk has been working on uh, the neural fibers um, yeah. for for years now, um, and I, I don't know how far along they actually are. I mean, they've run some tests. I've read I uh, I've read some articles, at least in terms of people getting. Uh, some version of eyesight back due to um neural neural computers um and so again you know it's funny as you mentioned as 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 i mentioned that there's the good part of it you know mm-hmm. um so but yeah i mean this 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 will be a debate you know we'll uh we'll find we'll find something new to to, to argue about <laughs> exactly right something new to something new to be mad at but yeah i mean it's like you said it's right on that fundamental cusp of uh you know given jet chat B- gpt has been out now 
um, what does that do to the book report or the you know research report in high school? Like, do we still yeah. have those, or do we need to teach something else, like critical thinking? Uh, if you can just say, "Hey, chap, GPT, write me," you know, write me five hundred words on William Cushing's raid on the uh, on the Albemarle, right? And there you go, there it is, right? So, where do we go from there? What are we going to teach instead of having to learn history, right? So that's yeah, a, thank heavens very... it's not too. I did a little experiment, and I I had chat gpt write uh, a couple of paragraphs um it actually told me i think i i was curious so i started messing around with it and i and in the power play series there's a character named uh roger gordian and he's kind of the uh, potter familias he's the guy who kind of who's who who organizes this whole group that's called sword um based on gordian's knot and then there's a play on that word anyway um gordian is a really is, is a good guy you know and he's a, and he's an altruist um he's he's your father figure in a sense uh except for 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 a whole organization so i i think i asked uh the the chatbot uh what uh, roger gordian was in the in the power plays novels and it gave me this long like this long discourse on how he was um uh, a selfish this this uh, destroyer of of the environment and on and on and on and i actually so after it's finished i typed in but actually he's the hero of the book and it then says uh you know uh, i'm sorry uh my mistake and it then re now now repeats everything that it just said but giving it but 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 actually spinning it so that he's the hero so it's pretty wow. stupid ai and i realize yeah. i do understand yeah. that that's um you know we're talking about several iterations back in terms of what's available to the the public so I know it's not it's not your state of the art um, artificial intelligence or chat chatbot, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I it, it, it's it's again it's something it's something to wrestle with, and you know, look at what's going on with the uh, the screenwriters, you know, and that's that's why that's a large reason they're striking, and they have a really good point. Yep. Oh yeah, it's uh yeah the uh, when they saw that it's like man, I can't imagine being in a writer's room and, and having some executive be like, yeah, you guys are good. Uh, we just had this machine just write, write it. And it's kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's decent, right? Or even worse, can you imagine if you're on a staff writing job and instead of going in to have a, a brain session to come up with some really cool new series, they come in with a, with a chat GPT written script and they're like, hey, tweak this a little bit. So you yeah. ended up serving, you're, on, <laughs> you're, you're playing second fiddle to Google. I was like, oh yeah. God. You I know, it gets it, it it gets deep and deeper than and maybe we want to go. But I, um, I, I one of the things that I was that I was reading was that um, one can make an argument that corporate intelligence that the that is is a kind of is is its own form of artificial intelligence, and that again because because corporations have driven the development of high tech AI, they reflect what goes in which is the corporate group think and the corporate mentality is you know it is an extractive mentality it's one that uh looks it's, it's only out for its own gain it doesn't have loyalty um and that's really it's interesting because like when as you were talking i was thinking what you the scenarios you were just putting together was this sort of combination of the corporate mentality and the and 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 artificial intelligence and this 
the synergy because it's in, in in essence it can be very much the same i don't know if i'm getting a little too too a little confusing but that that just occurred to me as i listened to you yeah it's uh what uh, i what i was uh getting what occurred to me when you were putting when you were saying that was um just you know when i think of the corporate mentality it's there in the mood when it when i put it in this mode like a bunch of writers trying to come up with something great and the suit walks in and whose mind is only on efficiency and profit and loss it's like here's a starting point i only have to pay you for about 25 percent because all you got to do is tweak it now so yeah. he's looking at efficiency the artists are looking at art and everything crumbles yeah exactly yep yep man um but I like I I said it wouldn't keep you more than an hour, and I I'll tell you I got to maybe thirty percent of the stuff I want to talk to you about, but I won't keep you too much longer. But I I I would like uh, to uh, to get your take. Um, so advice for um, a writer like somebody somebody comes up to you is you know like like they I'm sure they do all the time, but you know you you maybe going to give a talk at a high school or something, and this kid's just like I'm going to be a writer when I grow up. What what's uh, what's your advice going to be to him? You know, I think I think it's sort of the stuff that you almost the typical stuff, which is first of all, read a lot. Um, just and and don't read just one type of thing. Um, I I don't if if you have an idea about as to what kind of writer you want to be or what genre you want to work in. Um, don't just read that genre. Read all kinds of stuff because because you need to you need to to really be as have as broad uh, and open. Uh, your mind needs to be as open as it possibly can be. The other thing is what something we touched on before, and that is if you if you want to learn to write, you need to sit down and do it, um, and you need to do it with discipline and regularity. Um, and and that doesn't mean. It, 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 you know, we all we all have lives, and it's not easy to to find time. And I'm I completely understand that. But again, that's why set set a realistic goal. Don't think I'm gonna finish. You know, I'm gonna write my first novel in sixty days. Think about like with within the within within the the overall structure of what your of your life. You know, your job, your family obligations. How much time can you realistically? devote per day and and i'm telling you if i if it's if it's 15 minutes and it's 15 quality minutes it's like quality time with your kids it's like give it that quality time but do it every day or do it every other day whatever whatever you whatever you set for yourself i think that's really important and the other thing i i think would be as you go along is really keep um depending on you know if if you want to be if you want to uh sell your work to, to a publisher then i think it's 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 important to kind of be aware of uh, uh the the business a aspect of it at, to the extent that you're able and and with the internet and certain publications it, it's you can you can get a good idea of what certain trends are what's going um uh what's selling at a particular time um what what issues there may be in terms of book sales in whether it's whether it's an electronic medium or or brick and mortar so what i'm saying is to just be aware of things just really try to like know the business and as much as the creative end because it's very very important otherwise you you you're not you might 
you're never ready for all the obstacles you're going to hit because you hit them all the time. I get hit with stuff after after three decades doing this. I get hit with stuff that I knocks me knocks me on my my keister. I think, wow. I mean, seriously, that I think I, I can't believe this just happened. But the more you know, the more you're prepared. It's, it's like it's like going it's like going into combat. The, the better the better prepared you are, the better equipped you are in inside mental psychologically and emotionally to make the react in a in a in a constructive way when you get hit with the unexpected and you're going to get hit with the unexpected so i mean yeah that's really what i would would recommend yeah that's a i wish somebody had, had told me to think about the business side when i started i had no idea it's it's a it's a it's a very interesting industry to 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 uh, be a part of, but um, that and neither and, did I. I I I, mean, I I I mean I knew nothing. You know, I mean, literally had no clue how anything worked, and so so I learned with various you know knocks, kicks, blows, hammer blows. I I you know, but you know, <laughs> I survived, or I am in the process of surviving. Right? Yeah. Still. Still in the it's arena. Still yeah, <laughs> I'm still in the arena. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I honestly, it wasn't until, like you said before, I, uh, I spent sixth grade math and instead of studying math, I wrote, I wrote a 54 page novel and, um, failed math. But, um, I couldn't put together a novel novel until I was like 36 and I got done with grad school and just replaced that time with writing. And the routine was the only way I, it was the only way I got through it. And so that's, yeah. that's exactly uh, what I think too. Um, but, I think it's like uh, learning anything else in life, right? I mean, it seems to me that it's it's that, that, because whatever it is that you 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 have to you need to have some discipline and you need to invest yourself in what you're doing, and it doesn't matter what it is. You know, I I like to cook. It's the honestly same thing with cooking. You know, when you're cooking, you you have to have a process, and it's, it's not the same as writing, obviously, um, but it, it, in in some ways it is. And actually, uh, I, I started cooking as a way to do something creative that would take my mind off writing, off what I was writing, yeah. and where I could see more short-term results, where it's not like a year before the book is finished. I could, it's like I can do it, and then, you know, hopefully hopefully whoever I'm cooking for like likes what I cook. Most <laughs> of the time, I'm okay. Not yeah. always, but most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that year-long process creeps up on you after like six months. You're like, man, this is taking forever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, but hey, I uh, Mr. Mr. Pricler, Jerome, I really appreciate you joining me tonight. It was uh, great talking to you. And anytime Same you want to come back, invitations open. Uh, I had a blast. Uh, anytime, it's a lot of fun. All right, and uh, before I go, uh, your uh, Twitter link at uh, Jerome Author and Facebook Jerome Pricler Books. I think so. Yep, that's. <laughs> That's what I got. I found you. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just uh, put that out there. And uh, guys, Moving Target was was uh, that's a great read. I, I really appreciate you letting me uh, let me read it. And uh, thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you. All right. Mm-hmm.